0: Hi, writers. Welcome to our new episode on writing fiction, novels, and short stories. This is Jim Thayer. The Beatles' John Lennon said, There are always two things we do when we sit down and write a song. First, we sit down, then we write a song. That was John Lennon. I hope there's more to it than that. And I think there is. And that's why we have these podcasts. In our last episode, we talked about titles. Uh, thinking about titles is uh, fun. I suggested, and and some good writers also suggest, that we come up with a title early in our process of writing. And there are some uh, uh, good ideas for coming up with a title. Try to suggest movement or puzzle, a puzzle with a title. Try not to be imitative You might not want to have a confusing pronunciation of a word in the title, which makes the title less memorable. We can try to be lyrical with our titles. Goodreads, which is an online forum for people who love books, asked its readers to list and vote on their favorite titles for books. Here they are, some fiction, some non-fiction. The number one favorite title of Goodreads uh, voters was Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, a novel by Philip K. Dick. Number two, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies by Seth Graham Smith. Three, Something Wicked This Way Comes by Ray Bradbury. I've always loved that title. It's a wonderful novel, too. 4. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams. 5. I Was Told There'd Be Cake by Sloan Crossley. 6. The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Night by Mark Hayden. 7. The Hollow Chocolate Bunnies of the Apocalypse by Robert Rankin. 8. Eats shoots, and leaves the zero-tolerance approach to punctuation. That's a wonderful book. It's by Lynn Truss. Nine, Are You There Vodka? It's Me Chelsea by Chelsea Handler. And ten, To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. I have no quarrel with the titles on the list. I think they're terrific. And they meet some of the Guidelines that we talked about uh, last time for a title. I like coming across words I don't know. I've never heard of one. Uh, I've never heard of that word. Michael Deirda in an article called "The Horror," the horror H.P. Lovecraft enters the American canon, talks about the word shamanstvo. Michael Deirda writes. But what makes H.P. Lovecraft so overwhelming, sympathetic to readers isn't his sometimes overheated prose. What matters is that he possesses the storyteller's greatest gift, the one Nabokov called shamanstvo, the enchanter quality this narrative sorcery der- derives to a great extent from lovecraft's mastery of atmosphere read almost any story's opening sentence quietly suggested suggestive of a world suddenly grown uncanny and the spell is cast michael Durda then offers these first sentences from lovecraft's stories that show the enchanter quality When a traveler in north-central Massachusetts takes the wrong fork at the junction of Aylesbury Pike, just beyond Dean's Corners, he comes upon a lonely and curious country. That's the opening sentence of Lovecraft's story, The Dunwich Horror. Here's another one. I am forced into speech because men of science have refused to follow my advice without knowing why. That's the first sentence of At the Mountains of Madness. Here's another one, this one from Lovecraft's story, The Color Out of Space. West of Arkham, the hills rise wild, and there are valleys with deep woods that no axe has ever cut. And here's the last one from Lovecraft's The Music of Eric Zan. I have examined maps of the city with the greatest care, yet have never again found the Rue d'Ausil. Aren't those wonderful first sentences to a story? And they show H.P. Lovecraft's Shamanstvo, the Enchanter quality. I'd like to think we can do that too, put the enchanter quality into our first sentence and to the rest of the novel or short story. We have talked in the past about the importance of detail. A key to good writing is to be specific, definite, and concrete as Strunk and White set it out. If we as the writer don't build our images with details, the reader won't do so either, and our story will seem bland and won't involve the reader, won't pick up the reader and bring her into our world. We should, as the writers, pick details that grip the reader, that are specific, definite, and concrete. Sometimes I come across the use of detail in a piece of writing that makes a scene leap off the page. And I found one. It involves the Panama Canal. Uh, Patty and I have been through the Panama Canal twice. The most daunting part of digging the canal was the Culebra Cut, a mountainous area. Uh, That is the Continental Divide in Panama. Here's a description written by W.J. Abbott in 1913, of excavation work on the Culebra Cut. Uh, We've talked about the importance of detail and how to present it in fiction. Listen to this. This is nonfiction, but listen to how good it is uh, with uh, the detail. This is W.J. Abbott. He who did not see the Culebra Cut during the mighty work of excavation missed one of the great spectacles of all ages. From its crest on a working day, you look down upon a mighty rift in the earth's crust at the base of which pygmy engines and ant-like forms were rushing to and fro without seeming plan or reason through the murky atmosphere. Strange sounds rose up and smote the car smote the ear of the onlooker with resounding clamor. He hears the strident clink clink of the drills eating their way into the rock the shrill whistles of the locomotives giving warning of some small blast for the great charges were set off uh, were set off out of working hours when the cut was empty the constant and uninterrupted rumble that told of the dirt trains plying over the crowded tracks the heavy crash that accompanied the dumping of a six-ton boulder onto a flat car, the clanking of chains and the creaking of machinery as the arms of the steam shovel swung around looking for another load, the cries of men and the booming of blasts. Collectively, the sounds were harsh deafening, brutal, such as we might fancy would arise from hell were the lid of that place of fire and torment be lifted. That's W.J. Abbott on the digging of the Panama Canal. Isn't this terrific writing more than a century ago? Abbott takes us right there to the building of the canal. We, the readers, can see and hear and feel the undertaking because Abbott used details that are specific, definite, and concrete. What a good lesson on writing. This is from W.J. Abbott. I like glimpses of how other writers work. The Wall Street Journal had an article about Nora Roberts, the great romance writer. Uh, she has recently finished her 225th novel. Uh, this article in the Wall Street Journal by Alexandra Alter was uh, uh, is a couple years old. Uh, Ms. Roberts said, I don't really count. Uh, the ri- uh, the uh, writer, Alexandra Alter, said, Ms. Roberts is a grandmother with red hair and a gravelly smoker's voice. Regarding her legendary output, she says, quote, I don't really count. And she said, if I wasn't talking to you, I would be working. What else would I do? Putter and do laundry? That's a scary thought. That's Nora Roberts. The article in the Wall Street Journal points out that uh, Nora Roberts typically publishes five new books a year. A Romance Trilogy, Two J.D. Robb Mysteries, and what her publisher calls, quote, The Big Nora, a hardcover standalone romance. Ms. Roberts writes for six to eight hours every day, fueled by Diet Pepsi and Winston Filter 100 cigarettes. She doesn't use ghostwriters, co-writers, or a research assistant. Quote, then I'd have to talk to somebody, and I'd rather not, she says. Ms. Roberts was raised in an Irish Catholic family in Maryland. The uh, Wall Street Journal Alexander Alter, Alexandra Alter says, She began writing one day in 1979 during a blizzard, when she was stuck home with her two young sons. Silhouette, a romance imprint, published her debut novel, Irish Thoroughbred, isn't that a great title, Uh, in 1981. Over the next three years, she published more than 20 novels. Her books broke traditional romance conventions. They featured non-virginal, flawed heroines, ensemble cases, and snappy dialogue tinged with sarcasm, and were occasionally written from the hero's point of view her unconventional stories helped transform the genre, which has exploded into a $1.4 billion industry. The article says that uh, Nora Roberts created her alter ego, J.D. Robb, in 1995 so she could publish more books. At the time, Ms. Roberts' publisher, Putnam worried she would cannibalize her sales by releasing so many books a year. Her agent persuaded Putnam's to release a new trilogy under a pseudonym. The article says many of her fans have no problem keeping up. Quote, people will still say, can't she write faster? Says Nina Friedman, a Hollick who moderates discussions on Ms. Roberts fan website. Ms. Friedman, a retired travel agent and bookstore manager who lives in San Diego, has read all of Ms. Roberts' books, some of them ten times. She has copies of every one, even the elusive Promise Me Tomorrow, uh, a 1984 romance that Ms. Roberts keeps out of print because she doesn't like it. Ms. Friedman says she's drawn to the books for their memorable characters, humor, and invariably happy endings. She says she has never found the plots to be repetitive. Quote, I have never picked up a book and thought, Oh, I've read that before, Ms. Friedman says. Never. Isn't this article a nice glimpse into how uh, Norla Roberts works and her publishing dynasty, I read of uh, other writers' success with great enthusiasm, and it always motivates me. Hope it does you too. We have talked about the difference between showing and telling several times, and we'll do so again now. The most important technique for sentence-by-sentence vivid writing is the difference between showing and telling. Uh, I've mentioned before that uh, these two sentences keep the difference straight in my mind. His arm itched is telling. He scratched his arm is showing. It's a profound difference, and knowing it will instantly make someone a better writer. Uh, His arm itch tells while he scratched his arm shows. Showing reveals, and telling explains. When showing, the writer presents evidence to the reader. The writer sets out the facts and lets the reader decide. The reader draws her own conclusions, uh, which is more involving for the reader than when the writer simply tells her what to think. Let's talk about showing and telling regarding the weather. Uh, The weather is an important tool for a writer. Rain and fog can add gloom to a story, and sunshine and rainbows may lift the tone. Weather can also ramp up a plot by adding danger. In uh, seafaring novels, storms punish the characters, uh, protagonists crossing the desert will be tested by the heat or flash floods. Uh, an icy street will cause car crashes, droughts, hurricanes, floods, snowstorms. These are strong plot points for writers uh, provided by the weather. We as writers can show or tell about the weather. In other words, we can write uh, about it in a weak way. Or a strong way. Here are some examples of that. Here's telling. A storm was coming. Here's showing the same thing. Black clouds in the southwest were getting closer. Here, the writer has provided evidence and is going to let the reader decide a storm is coming. Here's a tell version. Ice covered the sidewalk. Here's a show version. The old lady's shoe slipped on the ice, but she caught herself. Here's telling. It was raining. Here's showing. Rover came in through the pet door and shook water from his fur. Here's another uh, example of the same thing. Raindrops hitting the windows sounded like a drum roll. Here's telling. The sun was bright. How about showing it this way? She stepped outside and raised her hand to her eyes. Or this. She looked at the sky and squinted. Or, he put on his ray bands. Or, heat, ro- heat waves rose from the highway. See how these are just more interesting than the sun was bright? Here's telling. A strong wind was blowing. How do you show that? Jake's hat sailed off his head and cartwheeled down the road. Another way, the, ana, the anemometer spun so quickly it was a blur. Here's another way, palm fronds whipped back and forth. Here's telling, the day was warm and humid. Boy, that's, uh, that's telling the reader and the sentence just lies there flat. How about this showing? She wiped her forehead with her sleeve, or his T-shirt was pasted to him. Maybe this, Uh, the iced tea glass dripped with condensation. These are images, they're details that can enliven a scene about the weather. Here's telling, it was cold outside. Well, this is stronger, showing. He could see his own breath. Or, ice crystals hung from his beard. Or this, she scraped ice from the windshield with a credit card. Here's the last example of, of showing and telling about the weather. Here's a telling version. It had snowed heavily during the night. Here's showing. She shovels snow from the sidewalk. Here's another way. The mailbox was hidden under snow. And yet another way, a city snowplow sped past, throwing an arc of snow onto parked cars. These examples show details. They show, they reveal about the weather. They take the reader right into the scene by providing evidence of the weather that uh, the reader can come to her own conclusion. Now, the weather is hot, or it's cold, or it's dry. We've given evidence to the reader by showing rather than telling. Showing rather than telling about the weather is a strong technique, and maybe it's not too hard, but what about inside the character's mind, the character's personality or mood? How do we show rather than tell about that. Readers remember vivid characters long after the intricacies of a novel's plot have been forgotten. Uh, Scarlett O'Hara, Don Corleone, and Frodo Baggins remain with us even after many of their adventures have faded from our minds. I think the most common failure to show rather than tell, and in fact it's quite common among new writers and and some experienced writers, involves the characters' minds. It's so easy for the writer to say, Gwen was concerned, or he was happy, or she was nervous, or Janet had a migraine. Here's a sentence that has two phrases of telling. She read the page and thought it was funny. This is the same information shown. Her eyes moved across the page and she laughed. The brain is. Our brains are silent. At least mine is. But even so, it isn't necessary to go inside the character's brain to indicate what she's thinking or how happy she is, or whether she's a lunatic. Here's some examples on how to show what's in a character's mind, what's in her head. Here's the telling version. Carson was belligerent. How do you show that? What's your problem? Carson asked, raising a fist. Isn't that better? We learn all about Carson being belligerent, except it's an image and dialogue. Here's a telling version. He tended to be forgetful. Well, that sentence lies there flat. It's telling. How do you show? He wandered the house searching for his keys and his hat. Here's another way. He placed the cowboy hat on his head and walked toward the door. He turned to his wife. Honey, have you seen my hat? I did that once. It's this. This example's from experience. Here's a telling version. He was claustrophobic. How do you show that? Somebody, get me out of here, please. I I can't. Please. Here's another version. Inside the elevator, Branson gulped air and wiped his sweaty hands on his pants. Isn't that better than he was claustrophobic? Here's a uh, telling. He was a kleptomaniac. How do you show that? When she wasn't looking, he lifted the coin from the bureau and slipped it into his pocket. Here's a telling. She was vain. Boy, that is a vanilla sentence. How do you show she was vain? She studied herself in the mirror, then smiled. Isn't that a great image of vanity? Here's another way to show vanity. Hanging on the walls of Marine's den were six framed photos of herself. What a great image, showing vanity. Here's telling. Porter was a slob. How do you show that? Well, that's easy. One of Porter's shirt tails hung out and his flip-flops were different colors. (laughs) Here's another way. Porter wiped his nose with his sleeve. I haven't done that for years. Here's a telling version. She was conceited. That's telling. It explains rather than reveals. Here's showing, revealing. She looked down her nose at him. Here's another way. Zircon? She shook her head. I couldn't bear to wear faux diamonds. Here's a telling. Mrs. Patterson was thrifty. That is a dull sentence. How do you show that? Mrs. Patterson dug into her purse and brought, out, and brought out five grocery coupons. Well, that's not a riveting sentence, but at least it shows that she's thrifty. It gives an image with some motion. Here's another way to show Mrs. Patterson was thrifty. Do you know where the day-old bakery is, she asked. Here's another way. Mrs. Patterson stopped pumping gas when the dial read $10. Here is a flat telling sentence. Abramson was rude. How do you show that? That's easy. Get out of here, Abramson said. I don't want to see you again. Or you could do it this way, showing. Abramson slammed the door. Or you can do it with dialogue. Here's showing he's he's rude. Quote, look at that idiot. Here's telling. Beth was afraid of heights. That sentence just lies there. Flat. It's telling. How do you show? Beth gripped the rail so tightly her knuckles turned white. Isn't that better? It's an image. Here's another way. Quote, come on, Beth. A Ferris, a Ferris wheel is perfectly safe. You've shown with dialogue her friend has to coax her onto the Ferris wheel. Here's telling. He was superstitious. How do you show that? I think he'll hit a home run. Stan knocked three times on the wood backrest. Here's another way to show. The black cat stared at him. He backed away. Here's another way. Quote, needs a bit more salt. He threw a pinch of salt over his shoulder before sprinkling some on the steak. What if the situation doesn't allow us to show rather than tell these personality traits or moods? We can probably save it for later when we can show. I hope we can make showing rather than telling our default mode of writing. I've tried hard to over the years and hope you will too. We are at the end of this podcast. I'm sure glad you were along for it. I will see you next time. This is Jim Thayer. And until then, please keep tapping those keys.